0: Today is Sunday, September 25th, 2022. Thanks for joining us and celebrating our 50th anniversary. You'll notice today's podcast is a bit longer than the others that we've had in the past. This morning we had several guest speakers from returning pastors to special dedications and even a few words from Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears. If you'd like to skip ahead straight to the sermon, or if there's a particular guest speaker you'd like to hear from, Those time markers are noted in the show notes, so check those below. Once again, if you need any more information about Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, you can visit the website svbcfamily.com or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily.
1: Um, at this time, uh, as I said, you know, things are going to be just a little bit different and all, but um, we were able to get all the former pastors of Shenandoah Valley back except two. I think. And one of those has uh, gone on to be with the Lord, and that is Eric Farrell, and all who was here, I think, for about 30 years. Am I, am I right, you know, folks? About 30 years total with the school and with, um, with the church. Um, but we're, um, we're going to have some testimonies here in just a moment. The first one we're going to start off with is uh, via video and all from uh, Jonathan Falwell down at Thomas Road Baptist Church. Um, if many of you don't know and everything, this church was started out of Thomas Road. Baptist Church. When Dr. Falwell sent some fellows up here to uh, establish an independent Bible church, Baptist church, and everything in, in this area. And uh, so there's a connection there. A couple years ago, we had uh, Brother Jonathan come and speak here at our church. So uh, there's a connection with both Thomas Road and with Liberty University and other things. So, David, if you'll go ahead and play that video, and then I'll ask. Um, Uh, Dr. Henry, and uh, Brother Cantwell, if you will make your way here to the front, please. Hey,
2: I'm Jonathan Jonathan Falwell, pastor of Thomas Thomas Road Baptist Baptist Church Church in Lynchburg, Lynchburg, Virginia. Virginia. And I want to add my voice to a lot of other voices to say, Happy Happy Anniversary anniversary to Shenandoah Shenandoah Valley Baptist Baptist Church. Church. What What a milestone, what an amazing amazing journey that you've had. had. And I know know that God God has has used used this great church to do incredible things things in these past 50 years, years, but I am looking forward forward to seeing what God God does does in the future. The greatest days are yet yet, yet ahead. So stay stay focused focused on on His Word. Stay focused focused on the power power of the Gospel. gospel. Continue Continue to share share the love of Jesus with your area and with the world. And And you you will will be shocked. We will all be shocked shocked at what what God does does in the days to come. So again, congratulations on on what a great milestone. And I pray that God's best is yet to come for all of you in the days to come.
1: So, if one of those representing uh, Eric Farrell would like to come up, one of his family would like to come up and say a few words, and all, oh, whoever. <laughs> okay, come on.
3: Good morning. I'm John. Um, my sister Erin's here today, and uh, my wife and James couldn't make it, but um, just want to start by saying, missed Mom and Dad so much. Um, Dad's been gone now for a little over two years, and mom just since April. So it doesn't get any easier. Um, it's it's a strange feeling when you lose both of your parents. Um, not at all what I expected to be like. Um, you just rely on them both so much, and when they're gone, um, it's just it's just a very very different feeling. Um, But I wanted to say a little bit about um, dad this morning. As he was here about 25 years as senior pastor, but he really started working here in, I guess, the mid-70s and was attending ever since the church really started. I think he was a great pastor, and if you were a member while he was a pastor, I think you know that. Um, Some of the things I will say today, I did say at the funeral, but I know a lot of you couldn't make it. It was a small funeral because it wasn't a convenient time due to the pandemic right then in 2020. What really stands out about dad more than anything as I was thinking about this was his um, authenticity. And you know, it should be true of every Christian that they're authentic, but if you watch the news, you know that's not true. They um, may say one thing, but their life doesn't back up what they preach. But Dad was the same person day in and day out. Um, What he preached on Sunday, he was that during the week. Um, A lot of times when he gave a sermon, he would say, I'm preaching to myself. And uh, He had a real passion for the lost, people that didn't know the Lord. He could make friends with anybody, and he wanted to. He loved people. I kind of think about the verse in Corinthians where Paul says, I've become all things to all people, so that he could um, see that uh, they are saved by his life. And that was was what dad was like. Um, He tried to learn Spanish. whatever he could do to relate to people in the community. The Wednesday night basketball that we had up here for so long, he brought a lot of guys out of Winchester through visitation to play basketball, and then he would preach to them. And this was after church at night. Sometimes he was up here till midnight playing basketball with those guys. Many of them came to know the Lord. One thing I didn't know about with that until years later was Andy Combs told me one of the basketball players got really mad at Dad one night, and he actually spit on him. And Andy could tell Dad was kind of lost his temper, but he controlled himself, and he, you know, he didn't didn't say anything. He just I think they told the guy he had to leave, but the guy ended up in jail later on, and Dad witnessed to him in jail, and he became a Christian. <laughs> yeah. I think Dad's sermons were powerful and emotional and memorable. He he preached with uh, great passion and often with a tear in his eye. You know that if you saw him speak. He loved music, but he couldn't carry a tune at all. (laughs) (laughs) But he was a really great dad. James and I were homeschooled for a few years in the 80s and early 90s. The thing we looked forward to the most was had a long driveway and we could listen for dad coming down the road out in the country. He'd honk the horn and we'd run outside. We were probably already outside, but as we knew when he got home he would spend time with us. He was like having another brother in a lot of ways. Um, he was a phys ed teacher before he became a Christian and loved games, had a great imagination, and he loved to play with us and spend time with us. Hardly ever missed a sporting, sporting event that we were in. Who's really passionate about sports. Um, he loved the Yankees and taught us to like the Yankees. So, <laughs> But just, to, just as I close, um, I think back to that he was really authentic. And there's a book by Eugene Peterson titled, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's what dad was once he became a Christian. He followed the Lord and trusted Him with His life no matter what it cost. It was a life of sacrifice, a hard life, and at the end, a really, really difficult life as He dealt with dementia or Alzheimer's, whatever it was. So that song this morning was really hard to listen to in a lot of ways and very true, very true. But even in the midst of it all, um, Dad never lost faith. In God and he couldn't because God had hold him fast the whole way
1: okay dr. Henry if you would come at this time please
4: there's a lot to say about the beginning uh, I was well-positioned at Eastern Kentucky University and in, in the administration. But I was pastor of a church. I became pastor of the church when I was 17, and that's quite a few years ago. I guess 68 or 69 years ago. Uh, I happened to be 87, but I was a young person uh, when uh, all of this happened. Dr. Falwell needed someone to lead the academic program at a new college in Virginia. Um, when we were considering coming to Lynchburg, uh, one of the issues in my own mind was, well, I've been a pastor, I want to know what to do on a Sunday because I've been a pastor at, at, and I didn't miss services." And by the way, we didn't set a schedule like you just, I heard when we came in, so many minutes here and so many minutes there. And um, now the singing reminded me of uh, Kirby Knob up in Kentucky uh, because uh, the song leader would say, uh, uh, you you know, just uh, sing and let her go. And and, uh, that's what we did. Well, anyway, Dr. Falwell said, well, there's Baptist churches all over Lynchburg, and you will not have any trouble. Having a church. Well, amazingly, my first opportunity after we moved to Lynchburg was to come here and meet with a group of people. And God blessed, and I thank God for Donnie Cantwell because um, I was so busy, I, I, I became head of the accrediting agency for um, a the end of my educational career, and I've often told uh, administrators, they won't know um, what you have to do to become accredited, and I had told one, um, well, you have to work eight days days a week, (laughs) and that's what I was doing, and by the way, Liberty was accredited by Southern Association faster than any institution has been. And so I came up here and drove every weekend Friday night. Uh, I would have to say that a key person was T.G. Adams as far as I'm concerned because uh, he is the one who um, really took care of us. And would you believe that I said, I'll stay you have 100 members. And I baptized 99 in 10 months. God had his hand on this, the beginning of this ministry. Now, I could say lots of things about that period, but I believe I heard this brother talk about looking to the future. And I want to tell you what, um, I spent 27 years as a pastor, but then was invited to become president of a Bible college right across the river from New York City and then became head of the accrediting agency for Christian colleges. But in 1976, at Liberty, I, and I was pastor at Pleasant View in Liberty, I realized I don't know God very well. Why don't I know God very well? And the, I preached sometimes three sermons a week. And up here it was two radio programs on sunday morning and uh, Donnie can tell you all about that, but I began to see that I didn't and my field is psychology, not you know not religion. I'm a mountain preacher from Tennessee so it, it, it's just amazing how that um God does things you don't expect. I never expected to uh, leave the pastorate and go to New York City, of all places. But I never expected that God would start a prayer seminar that right now is in 60 nations. And I can tell you the five things that you've got to look forward to in the future, the same that we looked forward to when we were here and started this church, The five emphases of the early church in Jerusalem, Acts 1 and 2 and those chapters, the very first one is word of God. It doesn't matter what you think or I think or anyone else thinks. It matters what the word of God. So you have to keep people in the word of God. I've often said you do five things. You hear the word, read the word, study the word, memorize the word, and meditate on the word. And if you're not in the word of God, I don't care who you are, you're not pleasing God. And it doesn't matter what uh, is said, it's God's word that's going to stand when the world's on fire. The second thing that we really focused on was spirit-filled. Spirit-filled doesn't mean more the holy spirit because the holy spirit came to live in you the moment that you came to christ but it means control by the holy spirit and if you want to understand this look at ephesians 518 where it compares spirit filled to a drunk man don't be drunk be filled with the holy spirit so you had all the holy spirit you're ever going to get when you came to christ but he is the helper He's the one that's in here today. And the third thing is prayer. Now back on the back, I have a copy of the prayer seminar workbook. Any of you are free to pick it up. Now the reason I'm saying that, we're on YouTube now. And so I didn't fix a lot because we've really been busy this week. But there's a pin on a little card that tells you about the prayer seminar on YouTube. So you could pick up one of these. Now the fourth is witnessing. And maybe this is the key to Shenandoah Valley's beginning. Uh, Some of the members up here, very frankly, I think in those days would witness a fire (laughs) hydrant. I mean, they were going everywhere doing this they didn't uh, the problem with us we're not closing him out of our lives we're closing him in our lives and we need to have the uh, out I guess the gospel and uh, you know outside us and then the last is stewardship now we know a little bit about that a the, that you were talking about, singing about. And so you pray for us, because we don't know what the future holds. Uh, The prayer seminar is in good hands now with uh, a fellow that's uh, started working with me in 1990. It's in 60 nations, translated in many languages. Would you believe I have the tapes of the organizational meeting when we were ready. We had the 40, you know, the, the 100 members, and we met in the Methodist Church. Uh, it, it was wonderful to meet right there and start. And the, I think there's one more tape. Now, how about if I say all of my archives it, would be here? Uh, we have the reflector. We had a a bulletin every Sunday. We well, as much as so if you have, I understand you have a place for this, but this is the actual, if you know how to use uh, this kind of tape. Okay, could could I trust you with this? Now, let me tell you that Donnie Catwell was very, very influential in those early years. And I believe he's gonna say something. Come my brother. Let me see what you look like. I haven't seen you since I think at one of the Tennessee Baptist meetings. You're right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good well, to see you, sir. Things, yes, sir. I don't <laughs> know
4: if I'd recognize you or not. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Robert. And you're
4: an archbishop now. Yeah,
0: yeah of course. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dr. Henry. Oh, uh, I love you. Oh, <laughs> amen.
4: <laughs> I couldn't have come up here with a, she, and she's, she was a nurse all these years. Dr. Falwell said, whatever it is, he wrote me this, the last thing. What
0: you did in building the foundation. And Sue, he said, took care of my mother. And that's true because she had the intensive care back to Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Henry. Um, Pastor Don, thank you so much for this invitation. And I thank all the wonderful people at Shadow Valley for this honor and privilege to be here uh, with these great men of God uh, that I just, uh, I'm not even worthy to be in their shadow. But not only these great men of god but the women beside them they're here today too and ladies thank you because i know that uh, they couldn't even get out of the house without you so thank you all and distinguished guests what an honor it is to be here with you as well thank you very much i guess i'm the probably that brought me here just to be the historian to kind of tell you what 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 how this kind of thing took off dr henry of course shared the very beginning of, of how This thing started, but I remember when I first came here. I uh, first came actually to do some evangelistic crusades and The Shandel Valley I remember uh, happened in a tent in Gore, Virginia Remember that Northcrafts we had revivals out there and people got saved there and then we went to uh, another crusade at James wood uh, high school auditorium that's where Jerry found the Lord and, and several other people. And so we were, we were doing evangelistic crusades, and then Dr. Henry got with these people and gathered together in the uh, in a, in a, in a back of a restaurant. And uh, there, was, there was kind of the beginning of everything, wasn't it? And it was wonderful. Now, let me tell you something, uh, and I have to hand it to Dr. Henry. You, you pastors that are here, and many of you pastoring, you know how tough it is to preach when people are thinking that they're going to go home and they're going to put food out and eat. Try preaching when they're putting the food out in the back of a restaurant. That is a real feat, believe me. But uh, those, were, those were, were beautiful days. I just left Florida, and uh, we're right now in the state of Florida. We're getting ready for a unwelcome visitor. It is a hurricane that's headed our way Our governor has already called a state of emergency for the entire state. I was talking to one of our command centers last night, and it looks like maybe even a Category 4 that's coming. That's a ferocious storm. It brings a lot of destruction, can bring death. But a group of people got together here in the Shenandoah Valley, and they asked God for him to send some wind. And that was the wind of the Holy Spirit. And that wind was far more forcible than the category four or five or any other hurricane that could ever sweep this earth. That wind swept through this valley. And it was amazing to see. And where that storm that's coming will bring destruction and tear down things, his wind brought compassion and love. And it built things like this structure right here that you're sitting in today and it was the wind of God that did it when I was here I remember hearing a story uh, Pastor Don about the hills of Virginia and how there was a census taker that went around to take census you know how they take census to figure out how to divide the taxes up and all that and he went to a little cabin, and uh, he opened the door, and this little lady was there. And he said, well, ma'am, so she said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm here to find out how many people are here. She said, well, it's me and my husband and 13 kids. He said, 13 kids. So he began to write the names down, you know. And she said, it's that one and that one and that one. And he said, you said 13, you only told me 12. She said, well, the other one's Homer. He said, Homer, well, where's Homer? She said, well, Homer's at Harvard. That surprised him. He's at Harvard? Yep. He said, well, what's he studying? She said, he ain't studying anything. They're studying him. <laughs> well, believe it or not, when the wind of the Holy Spirit swept into this place and did such great things, people would come, and they wanted to study what we were doing. Remember that, Mike? They would come, and they'd say, what, what are you, what's, what's doing? How, how is this happening? The only problem is, Ronnie and Mark and Mike and Bob and Eric, you know, we didn't have a clue. (laughs) We didn't know how it was happening. Why? Because it was God. It was God's wind. It was God's Holy Spirit. But if I were to drill down, I would have to remember two big things. And Dr. Andrew, thank you so much for mentioning it. I remember praying. When you get the grooms duo, of Mike and Mark with their sidekick Ronnie, you're going to do some praying. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but every morning we would meet together and we would pray. They would listen. I guess they thought the pastor wouldn't get in on it. Pastor, but so so they came to my house, which was a mobile home, and we would have prayer meetings. Early. They see they took that verse literally when Jesus said he went out a great way before day and prayed. They took it literally. And we would pray so much that in between these long-winded preachers you could hear snoring. <laughs> but there was prayer. And then the second thing, what Dr. Henry was so well to point out, was soul winning. Mike Grooms. Mark Grooms. they And the treasure path to soul winning. Little red book. They just believed they ought to go out and tell people about Jesus. Pastor, it was a joy to be able to preach. You didn't have to worry about converts. They went out and got them before you started preaching. And they would come down the aisle and they would come to Christ. So it was that praying and that soul winning. And then Pastor Ronald Riggins is here today. And he somehow got the idea, I don't know who put it in his head, that every boy and girl in Shenandoah Valley ought to hear about Jesus. And he put buses all over this place. And he brought in hundreds, I'm telling you the truth, hundreds of boys and girls to hear about Jesus. Some of them like me out of the home of an alcoholic parent who would have never taken them to church. But because... Somebody believed that boys and girls ought to hear about Jesus. They came, and God's barn was full, and there was that singing that Pastor Mark mentioned this morning, and boys and girls heard about Christ. In just, in a little while, or later today, I'm going to be headed back to Florida to be with a whole crew of people to get ready for this hurricane. I, uh, Brother Mike, I'll mention I got called into the... Uh, Police Ministry here here in Shaando Valley, we were driving around one time, and I saw this guy running down the road with handcuffs on, so I decided to get out and chase him down and we did we did in fact, he must have known we were Baptist because he ran into a methodist church died, but we did run him down, and we did make the arrest and I guess that's how I got called to uh, to law enforcement and spent thirty years in law enforcement and now work with the peacemakernetwork.com where we minister to the men and women of law enforcement. I'm going to be going back there, and I'd like to ask you to please pray for them. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's never been harder to put on a badge than it is today. So please remember them, because I know you know how to pray, and I would appreciate that very much. So as I leave you, uh, I know that things change, and thank God they do. We have many different methods in reaching people today. When we started, it was saturation evangelism that was taught in Dr. Falwell's office, if you remember. And we, we, it was new then to a lot of people. And some of the things that we do today is new. You know, we, uh, we tell people, come as you are. And I love that because people need to feel comfortable when they come to the house of God. We have different ways of worship. We have contemporary worship and all kinds of other methods to reach people, and I'm for it all. But let's not forget, I believe the fuel that fills those winds that God sent, I believe they are fueled by praying and soul winning. And as you continue to do that, I know we'll continue to hear great things about Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. God bless you.
1: You know, I, I don't know, didn't know how this was going to end up and everything, but um, I live in West Virginia, but I kept very close tabs of the Virginia election, you know, this last cycle and all, of course, you being here, Virginia and such, and uh, was just thrilled, you know, over the election results, especially in the top tiers of the state of Virginia, and um, had heard about and read about a Lieutenant Governor's faith, you know, and her, her walk with the Lord and such, and so just by... Chance, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna write and see if she'd be willing to come. And I was so surprised when I got the letter back and said, yeah, we're gonna be there. And also Lieutenant Governor Sears, I'd ask if you would come and just say a few words and thank you, thank you for being willing to be with us on the 50th anniversary of our church. Lieutenant Governor Winston Sears.
5: Good morning, everybody. I'm not really a guest, you know, because I'm a sister in Christ, so there is that. <laughs> and my husband and one of my daughters, uh, they're here. And actually, I just came up from Richmond, so I was up at, what, 6 o'clock this morning, drove up from Richmond. But, you know, we actually live here in Stevenson, and, um, and I'm, I'm not wanting to go back to Richmond today but apparently I have to and then I got to come back up again that's my life now but I kind of knew what it was going to be because 20 years ago I was elected to office this was when we lived down in Norfolk and I represented parts of Chesapeake and Norfolk and Virginia Beach so it, it's it's not new to me it's just a higher office but they still call me everything sometimes but a child of god but that's okay <laughs> you know uh, you, don't, you don't really know what goes on sometimes behind closed doors, but I can tell you that our governor, we meet. Uh, the governor will call me and uh, call Jason, our attorney general, and we'll get together at the governor's mansion, have breakfast. But before we start, we're, we're sitting in the little room, and he'll say, all right, well, let's pray. And we hold hands. And either he prays or he'll tell me to pray or he'll tell the attorney general to pray and then we'll go on with our day and then when we're done, he'll say, okay, let's pray again. All right. So there's a whole lot and and there's something to be said when the governor of the state understands that there is a God and he's greater than he is and that we have to rely on that God. So... I just want to say, um, you know, we have to be involved in government. Government is God's idea. Amen. Amen. I I am reminded that the Bible says that Jesus was supported by a woman named Joanna, and her husband was in Herod's employment. So Herod's money was helping to support Jesus. And and. And also, I remember Paul said, and tell the saints, especially, who are working in Caesar's employment that we care about them. So that's interesting that people worked for Herod and people worked for Caesar, and they were helping to get the ministry going forward. So I want to read this to you about what God says when it comes to the king. And I think I'm going to remind the governor of this too. um, (laughs) It's Deuteronomy chapter 17. And, you know, when it comes to our government in America, we actually get it, the branches of government, from Isaiah 33 and 22. And the founders were trying to figure out how to move power so that power wouldn't be in one person in one entity, and they read Isaiah 33 and 22, and it says this, for the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our judge, and the Lord is our king. That's three branches. The Lord is our lawgiver, that's the legislative branch, which I used to be in. The Lord is our judge, which is the judicial branch, and then the Lord is our king, which is the executive branch. And so when people say that we are not a Judeo-Christian nation, they don't know what they're talking about. So and it it comes again from, so that was Isaiah 33 and 22. But listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18 says. It's talking about when Israel gets a king. And of course, this was long before. But of course, God knew that they were going to ask for a king. he started out by telling Moses to tell the people that when they ask for a king, this is what the king is supposed to do. He is supposed to make a copy of the laws on a scroll for himself in the presence of the priests. So he's supposed to write a copy of the laws for himself and not in his own bedroom, but in the presence of the priests And he must always keep this copy of the law with him and read it daily as long as he lives. And why must he do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) It says because that way the king will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of this law. And then this regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. What a thing. What a thing. And then, finally, chapter 20 talks about what happens when you're in the military. And some of you were in the military. And I just think this is awesome where it says, When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you safely out of Egypt is with you. Listen to this part. Before you go into battle, the priest will come forward to speak with the troops. He will say, listen to me, All you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight today. Do not lose heart or panic, for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. And so you wonder, where do we in America get our chaplains from that support our military? Why do the priests go out, the chaplains, with it's right here this is where we get it from i mean i'm going to fight and you're having the priest come talk to us really we've got weapons what do we need a priest for yeah well this is what the bible says we need a priest and so we have to pray for our chaplains in the military because you hear that they are being silenced because they're not saying the politically correct things. No, it seems like they believe the Bible more than they believe uh, man. So pray for them that they will. the government will not destroy our chaplains because our military is suffering. So that's why we have to get involved in government, because as Dr. D. James Kennedy said so many years ago, we can't leave government to the atheists or anybody else. We've got to get involved. So thank you, and God bless you all, and pray for us so that we will continue the fight. Thank you.
1: Bill, is Jim down here? Yep, there you are. I'd like to ask uh, Jim Ennis and Bill Funk to come and just um, share this time as we recognize the DeHaven family. Um, I was not privileged to know any of them, meet them, but these guys have been around here for 73 years and all, and so um, they know them very well and will have some uh, good things to share with you this morning.
6: Well, close to 73. It was 43, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, In 1979, when Lynn and I showed up here, we used to sit back there and we'd run out after the service and everything. I think Mike remembers that. And then we joined the church and uh, been here ever since. Stuck it out through the good times, the hard times and things like that. And if I look a little flushed, we just got finished singing Father Abraham with the kids. Lynn and I are still working with the kids. And if you guys know what Father Abraham is, there's a lot of movement to it. And when you're turning around and then you sit down, I was so dizzy, I was about ready to fall down. So anyways, it's a pleasure to work with the kids. And I love God's uh, willingness to let me still work for him and everything. And uh, like Pastor said, he asked us to say something about the uh, The Haven family, and if you excuse me, I am a little nervous. I do fine with kids, but I'm just a little nervous right now. But uh, uh, we've known Al and Velda for a long time, and uh, and the family have got to know them. We're good friends with Carol. They're one of the granddaughters, and Gary and the family, and Judy. And uh, I don't want to miss anybody, but I I know I will. But, and uh, I just want to say that they were a blessing to the ministry here. They gave their time, they gave their money, and they gave their love to this church. They loved the ministry of Shandor Valley Baptist Church. They, um, I know Al was involved with the WANAs. He worked with the young, uh, the little kids in junior church and super church and things like that. And um, I just uh, wanna say what a blessing they were. And even in their death, they thought about this church and they left a very generous offering to us here. That's helped us keep going through this hard time and with repairs and things that need to be done on the building and stuff. And I don't want to embarrass the family, but at this time I would like anybody that's related to the De Haven family, please to stand up so that we as a church can recognize you and say thank you to you guys for your mom and dad's blessings and their love for the church. So just stand for a minute, I'm not gonna make you say anything or do anything. So. And um, I remember a time when I went with Bob Quinn, uh, Dave Walker and Al Dehaven to Quebec on a missionary journey with, uh, we went up there, and I can't believe I remember their names, but Duke and Christy Moore, I believe, were the missionaries that we went up there to be with, and we helped them with their um, house. They had just recently went to Quebec. They were from, I think, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They were Southern, had that French uh, part with them, and uh, they wanted to minister to the French up there in Quebec. And that was really interesting, I had no, absolutely no French, and going up there, there was one day that they sent, I think it was me and Bob, I don't remember who, but we had to go to like a Lowe's or a Home Depot and get some stuff for what we were doing. We were finishing the basement so they could have their, their youth group there. But I wanted to say this about Al, the one thing I remember about him, lunchtime come, it was 12 o'clock, that was lunchtime. You stopped and you had lunch. And Al, every day, always ate a peanut butter sandwich. That's what he had, was a peanut butter sandwich. And then he would take a little respite for a few minutes and then get back to work and go on again. Well, I gotta say, that kind of rubbed off on me. I retired last July and um, and um, I went back to work this year about in May and I went to work for uh, Gary Carpenter up there in uh, Cape Bridge, uh, Gary's excavating. And so now I carry a lunch pail to work with me, and I carry these little Uncrustables, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with me, and they help me make it through the day. I'd love to get a nap, but I don't get a chance to do that. But Al taught me, if nothing else, to love peanut butter and jelly. But I think Al's was just peanut butter. So anyways, but I, I appreciate their family so much and everything they did for the church here and working on things. I would be up here fixing things and doing stuff and um, what a just such a blessing and a legacy and he loved Jesus, they loved Jesus, and they wanted to see Jesus' love promoted through the church here and, and uh, it's just a blessing to have people in my life like they were and like the family, so... Uh, it's Bill's turn now.
7: <laughs> I might have to bring this thing down a few, few, few feet, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'd like to say prior to uh, uh, talking about Brother Al, um, uh, Lyndon and I were, <laughs> getting emotional, prayed into this church by a couple that led us to the Lord and I felt if God pray, if God answered that prayer, then this is where I need to be. Amen. And that has been a, a, a stable, stabilizer uh, during my life here at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. <clears throat> uh, chokes me up a little bit there. And it should, and it should. Um, one other thing i like to say, I'm glad we have the, the uh, beams on. Um, uh, Pastor Grooms, you are Pastor Grooms, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Pastor Grooms, uh, when we, we were in the UAW building and building the structure here, uh, they had all the, the, the walls up here and just the sanctuary area here. Not, there wasn't any gym at that time. And, and uh, so he had the great idea of having our Easter sunrise service here. Yeah. yeah. It, it was wonderful, beautiful day. The sun was shining. Nice came up over the wall, and everybody was sitting in, in, you know, the fold-up chairs, you know, all around here. I think Linda and I were sitting back in that direction right there, and uh, everybody enjoyed the service, but everybody got sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, that's that's quite a quite a memory. I often think about that, and uh, it was a blessing. Uh, Al and Velda De Haven. How many people remember Al? Al and Vel? Oh my, that's good. So I don't have to say anything about them. Jim, Jim uh, put it re- really well talking about their their service, and uh, you know, of course, uh, Al. You know, he, he served in Sunday school. I think you said a Wanda. He was. Uh, I've visited with him numerous times. Uh, we, we, you know, we had prayer together, prayer time, and. Uh, uh, great Christian fellow, Velda. I believe she, she worked in the nursery for a, a long time, and and uh, uh, both of them are actually in my Sunday school class. I taught uh, Sunday school here for uh, several years, and uh, they would come and they sat right over there. Okay, Grover, he sat right where you were. You are right now, and. Uh, and then Velda got to the point where it was very difficult for her to come. He would come by himself. Until then, he got ill. And uh, uh, w- they weren't able to come at all. Uh, I appreciated them, their Christian testimony. And, and you people don't know them. I mean, uh, they were a great example of what we should be as Christians. Um, uh, you know. Al, uh, you know, he was, he was a hard worker in the in church and, and so forth, and he, he loved the Lord. And I would go by and visit them. When he was ill, I would go by and visit uh, uh, he and Velda And I, uh, then after Al passed, I would visit her. A lot of times I'd be going on the way to Lowe's, you know, which I cut through Cedar Mead down there, and the house is right over on Crescent Street. I go over there and and visit but every time I visit either both of them or just Velda I went I went to be a blessing now listen to this I went to be a blessing but I came away being blessed Is that the way it's supposed to work Yes and it's the way it does work and that's what the Lord says you give and you'll be given unto you and uh I'm sorry I'm taking your time preaching I'm yeah, you know, I'm, I'm preaching instead of you, right? Okay, all right. Uh, one thing I want to mention: we, we, uh, the Lord really worked in Alan Al Velda's life because they were they were submitted to the Lord, and years before, we needed this uh, gift. God had already had it planned out in their life, and they accepted that responsibility and they they didn't live here on earth to see it of course they know it's happening but they they it would be be so wonderful to have them with us today but the thing is they submitted to the Lord and they gave the gift which we received an endowment you call an endowment or a legacy I feel though that there were three legacies I feel like that The first legacy I'm thinking about is the monetary gift. But the second legacy I've written down is, um, let me check my notes here, make sure I'm in order. Yeah. Uh, The second legacy I wrote down was the family. Okay? We can leave a legacy with our family. And they did did according, Al and Velda did it according to God's word. He did it, or they did it, and God honored what they did because they brought their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And and, uh, that is a legacy. And that legacy carries on with it the gospel. So it's something to think about, especially if your younger parents are here. And then the final thing, I believe, is the Christian testimony. They put Christ first and there were witnesses in their lives for Jesus Christ. And to me, that was the most important legacy and I'm sure all to you, Not and I'm demeaning any other legacy, the money, the, the family, nothing of that nature, but yet we put God first, and they did, and and we received the benefit of of just knowing them, okay, because the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit's in them as in us. So, anyway, uh, I often think about it, and I remember Pastor Grooms one time talking, preaching a message uh, on even though he be dead yet he speaketh and I think that's not it may not be correct uh, in the, as in the Bible it, verbatim but it's I think Hebrews eleven four. I'm that are you really no kidding not, it, <laughs> praise God right <laughs> okay well see even though the DeHavens uh, are not here physically with us yet they speak right? They speak through the family, they speak through us who knew them, speak through anybody that maybe they've led to the Lord, and, you know, it's, it's a great thing. And uh, uh, getting to the uh, the plaques, uh, the plaques have a, uh, if you want to look at them when you come up, I noticed them the other day, a wonderful picture of a lovely couple. I really, really, I love, it, love that photo. And, uh, I, I, you know, it touched my heart. So these, these plaques are going to be uh, placed, uh, one in, in uh, the Route 81 side foyer and then the other in the uh, Route 11 side foyer. So if you get a chance to, to take a look at them uh, today, you know, come on up, take a look at them and, and uh, you know, read the uh, uh, underneath what is set being said. The, um, and of course if you miss it, come back to church here and you can see it. Okay, all right. God bless you. Thank you. You
1: know, it's a joy uh, to be part of church, you know, that you can go back in some of the history, you know, just in the four and a half years I've been here. But to see these fellows come, that started back in the day when I was still a teenager, and they're still going, and they're still going. We just can't give up. We've got to keep moving forward, and I hope this church will take that message. we got to just keep moving forward until the day the Lord calls us and that. Brother Mike's going to come and speak at this time, and we're getting to the end there. Everything I know it's getting lunchtime and everything, but... Um, Um, after this, we're going to have the installation of the new pastor here at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. It's going to be a very special time, and uh, we're looking forward to that. So, Brother Grooms, it's all yours, my friend. All right. Thank you,
2: Brother Don. What a privilege that you've uh, invited us to come back and be a part of the service uh, today with uh, this church. It means so much to us. And I I will talk a little bit about the history also. I wasn't here in the early days with uh, Dr. Henry. I remember him, of course, at Liberty because uh, my Several of us were first students uh, at uh, Liberty University, Brother Miller, that very, very first semester, a group of us, my sister and Ronnie, and uh, I think we were in that very first class. Donnie, you transferred in. And uh, then I had the privilege of playing on their first football team, their first baseball team, and their first ba- uh, basketball team, the very first year, the basketball team. So that's, I gotta brag about that a little bit. And, and I actually, uh, I think I uh, have gotta figure out these pictures here. So when I came here, I was very young. Okay, I thought I'd show you a couple pictures here and very energetic and uh, very enthusiastic. And of course, Dr. Falwell, if you didn't learn anything else there, you learned you better have a vision about what you're going to do with your life in reaching a world for Jesus Christ. And uh, I couldn't help but also have a picture of Doctor uh, of, of Henry Gold. Henry Gold, this yeah. I think we want to remember him. And it's people like Henry Gold that literally laid, I think, the foundation for this church with his love for the Lord, his faithfulness, and how he served the Lord. And, and if I started naming names like the Metz family, who came and brought all that music, and I saw Terry here earlier, and just gifted, gifted people. And uh, over the years, as a pastor, and I've, I've served as a senior pastor for over 48 years now, and I, uh, I, it's been like the easiest thing in all the world to be a For me, it has been because God has always put people around me that uh, love the Lord, that were gifted, that were servants, that were willing to sacrifice. And I just got to enjoy the ministry. Now, the, honestly, the first 15 years I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have here. All right, because I was trying to win everybody to Jesus Christ, and I was a little bit too legalistic. But uh, and I remember a little bit too much, maybe a whole bunch. And uh, but uh, uh, one story I thought I had. Donnie had to tell this story with Donnie. So he's he's uh, he's, he's 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 preaching, and he's a fantastic communicator and preacher. And uh, and we used to say, Donnie and I came up here with Donnie right out of our second year of school going into our, our uh, sophomore, our junior year, and we just came up for the summer. We just, w- for the summer. And by the way, uh, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears, it's uh, so privileged to be a part of service with you. I just moved out down to North Carolina because I heard the Lieutenant Governor down there loves Jesus. He's preaching and saying it like he should. And then then where were you when I lived here all those years? That's all I want to say. God bless you and we appreciate you too, and I'm so excited. I get so excited every time I hear your name uh, for the state of Virginia because the people from the past, man, I've knocked on doors for the Republican Party. I mean, the reporters came here and put, put, put what I'd say on Sunday in the paper on Monday. and uh, because it would be very political and some of you might remember those days. But uh, but when we came here with Donnie and Ronnie and uh, myself, uh, Donnie was preaching and Ronnie and I were knocking on doors, just knocking on doors. And uh, and we bought ten buses. Well, let's get past that. Okay, we bought ten buses, and uh, that very first summer, and uh, like uh, Donnie said, and we were just uh, saying we we would bring them in, and Donnie would get them saved. <laughs> he was an evangelist, and he would preach, and people got excited, and they'd come back and bring their friends, and it was just an explosive growth. There's no wonder, no, no explanation for it, but uh, we, uh, we were growing, and I think we had bought the property here, and Donnie was the pastor, and uh, I was, like I said, uh, trying to straighten everybody out, and I can remember going to Donnie one time saying, there's these people, you need to take care of this problem, they are causing a problem, you better take care of it, they're not, they're going to hurt this church, and I don't know all i was saying, I don't remember who it was either, but I was telling Donnie how to straighten out some people in the church, and I'll just never forget it, he looked at me, and he said, Mike, I'm sure glad you're not God. (laughs) I just never forgot that, (laughs) so that'll give you my history a little bit, but uh by the way, if you were one of these first bus captains or bus drivers, or somebody in your family was, Jerry, I think I see you in the picture there. Would you please stand, okay? I'm gonna have some folks stand here. And, and Grover, in and this very first group of bus people. And then I did have a few more questions here for folks that were here. Uh, for instance, if you were a charter member, you're part of that, being a charter member here, Uh, in that very first group I was not a charter member I came after that was the church was chartered but if you were a charter member this is a 50th anniversary I think you need to be honored for helping start this church would you please stand okay yes amen God bless you thank you God bless you for being here today fact that you're still alive is pretty <laughs> wonderful amen <laughs> of course she was just a little girl okay Pam Mayhew um, if if uh, you met and started coming to the church in Echo Village restaurant in the restaurant when we were meeting in that restaurant and so all the charter members you can restand. Really stand but would you stand okay all those folks that started coming we we're meeting in Ronnie Riggins okay in the back of the restaurant okay yes and bob quinn was part of that first group of folk and then how many were uh, started coming in the uaw building we uh moved over and by the way this little bell telephone building across the street over here when we were running them buses we took the kids to the bell telephone building uh when we were meeting at echo village they would go to that little building across the street over here for junior church and across the street, across Interstate 81, over here on the other side. And some of us might remember that. But if you were in the UAW building or started coming you, would you please stand? All right, all those, oh wow, wow, amen. And so some of you remember those UAW building days and uh, the two years we were in there, the people that got saved and lives that were transformed. Russell Larrick, I'll never forget the Sunday he got saved. He knocked down chairs running to the front, and then he's a quiet and timid guy, but uh, God, uh, he, he was thanking everybody in the parking lot for praying for him, because he was the manager at the A&P store, some of you remember, and uh, that day he got gloriously saved. And so, so many names, like Bill and Vera White, who, uh, she was our very first secretary uh, of the church while we were meeting in those early days and had the telephone in her office, and uh, in her house, and answered the phone for the church, uh, and just uh, people that are with the Lord, uh, like we said, Brother Henry Gold. But uh, how many of you uh, met in the barn for one of the services we had there over the years? All, anybody met in the barn? Junior church, church Wednesday night, Sunday revival meetings. Our first missions conference was in the barn. Okay, look at all these folks. Got. I got ordained in the barn with Gary Byers, actually. Jerry Falwell came up for that. And so that barn means a whole lot to us. Please never tear it down. And, uh, and we appreciate that. And then uh, w- one last thing, and Bill Funk, I can't believe you missed it. And I'm the last speaker. I had to do a lot of funerals over the years where there's always been three or four other speakers in front of me. And by the time I get up to speak, they've already said everything. So I don't prepare anything ever for a service. So I know there's four or five speakers, because I'll just play it by ear, and at the end I'll see what God wants us to say. But I, I do have a message that is interesting, because Donnie already preached half of it anyway, so it should go pretty quick in a minute here, but that... That Sunday that uh, we were building this facility, we're in the UAW building, we decided to have our service up here on the property, so we did a sunrise service, but we had our service here in the, in the in the daytime when that sun came up and everybody got sunburned. And there were, like he said, just none of this was here, just a few walls around us, and we put the hard chairs on the concrete floor, and we never checked with the building department anybody about things in those days we just did it but uh but anyway if you you were here for that easter sunrise service where we 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 wanted you to know you don't want to go to hell if you think it's hot here it's a lot hotter there okay so so if if you were here in that service would you please stand i'm just curious okay i just want to see because god bless you folks amen okay Well, the 50th anniversary is a time of memories. It really is. It's also a time, I think, of confession. It's a time where we say, okay, God, where are we at right now in our lives? What are you doing right now today in my heart and in my life, and am I living for you like I should? It's also, I think, a time of vision. It's a time of vision where we think about where we've been, what God has done, and then we really believe that God has something for us in the future, not just as individuals, and of course we should be looking at that, but what does God have for Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church that God has blessed this church with such a fantastic, fantastic uh, heritage and so many wonderful things that the Lord has done. And so we're going to read a passage of Scripture and just a few comments and maybe intertwine some testimonies of what the Lord did with these uh, comments. So if you would, stand with me, and we're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, okay? Some of the verses that were already referred to. And so I'm just, no comments as I read it, but just I want you to hear it because I believe we came today also for the word of God as uh, we heard Dr. Henry say, so important. And, and the title of my message, the title of my message is Faith, Prayer, and the Word. And so you heard Brother Donnie and Brother Henry already pretty much preached that and make that so clear, because I'm telling you, that's what brought this church up through those early years, and that's what will take this church ahead, is faith. Because you can pray without faith, and I guarantee you, James chapter 1 says, don't expect anything to happen. Okay? So you can pray without faith. You can pray without the Word, but it won't be long till you won't be praying. You can be in the Word, but if you're not exercising faith it won't be long until you're not in the word and so I'm just convinced that these three ingredients faith prayer and the word spiritually and in a disciplined way have to go together in our lives and I believe that's the real heritage of Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church and so I'm running the screen here and I've never done that before so we'll see what happens He, being dead, still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he should not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise." Now, Father in heaven, I pray in the next few moments as we just share what you put on my heart several several months ago, actually, and, and you've confirmed in the last even few minutes that this is what you want us to talk about, that our hearts will yearn to have the faith that will make a difference not only in our daily lives, but in our witness, our testimony, and impact this world for Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you've done. We're expecting even greater things tomorrow, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to put my outline up there, so in case I don't get through it, you'll have it memorized by the time I finish. Ian <laughs> e. Bounds said, God is not looking for better methods. He's looking for better men. And that was in his book on power of prayer. And if we are to be men and women and people that can impact our nation, impact our country, impact our world for Christ... We must be people that have faith and people that pray. Jerry Falwell often said, nothing of eternal value ever happens apart from prayer. And I thought about when we came here, and Dr. Henry came here, and Donnie came, and Ronnie and Bob and Eric and Ronnie and myself were a part of those early days in this church. We did not have cell phones. We did not have computers. We did not have internet. We did not have iPods and, and, and all the technology that we have today. And it's amazing how churches and people are thinking we have to have this and this and this and this if we're going to be a good church and we're going to make an impact on our community. And all those things can be useful but I'm convinced they mean nothing if we do not have faith and prayer and the Word of God working in our lives and in our hearts and in our church. It has to be a priority. And if this church and any church is going to face the unique challenges we have ahead of us today, we must know what faith can do and be encouraged and motivated by that faith to accomplish God's purpose and God's will for his church. Dr. Towns recently wrote a book, which I think is a pretty good idea that he wrote it, because so many people want to criticize and put the church down today. He wrote a book entitled, What's Good About the Church? The church is the body of Jesus Christ, despite what some churches are trying to make it to look like. The church is God's institution to transform and bring His good news, His message, to our communities and to our world. The church is the most important aspect, I believe, of God's program to make the difference before Jesus Christ comes back. Jesus loved the church and gave Himself for it. The church is God's thought, not ours. But what can faith do? Faith can give optimism. So many pessimists today, criticizers, complainers, and I have a hard time with them personally. But I can tell you this, when you believe in God and you believe in who He is, you can see things from a different perspective. Now, when I read verse 2 of this chapter, by faith the elders obtained a good report. I know commentators say a lot of things and other translations, make it sound like something else. But I like the King James Version for this. By faith the elders obtained a good report. The elders, I believe, are those men of Israel because earlier in the Bible it talks and uses the same language. The elders of Israel got a good report. From who? From the tw- From the two spies. Ten spies came back, remember, and I don't have time to go through this, but they came back with a bad report. They said, oh, yes, it's a beautiful, wonderful land, but, and this is the book of Numbers, but there are giants there, and we're grasshoppers in their sight. And I love what Joshua and Caleb said, because they gave a good report by faith. They said, yeah, there are giants in the land. But they're bread for us. You know what they were saying? We'll have them for breakfast. We will grow because of the opposition they give us. They will nourish us. They're bread for us. Read it. Why? Because... Problems and difficulties and challenges, when we face them by faith, we face them with an optimistic viewpoint that God is bigger than the problems. He's bigger than the challenge, and he has nothing that's impossible for him. No lost person is impossible for God to say. So faith gives optimism. If you're a negative person, get in the Bible and read it and memorize it. Faith gives understanding. And by the way, I just didn't want to forget to say this, so I'm going to insert it, Al DeHaven, you honored him today, and Al was a dear, dear friend, so many years, and I'll never forget him and his ministry, and and he worked at, I believe, ABEX Corporation all those years, and... uh, and he came to me one day and said, "Pastor Grooms, Pastor Grooms, they're trying to promote me and make me do this and that." He said, "I don't know what to do. I don't want to take all that. I just don't. I, it'll tie me down more than ever before. I want to really love the Lord. I've served the Lord." And uh, he he just said, "He said, he said, so I'm thinking about retiring early and and maybe starting my own little business. Al Small Jobs. <laughs> Is that what he called it? I think." something like that, Al. small jobs to start with, something like that. And I said, Al, he said, but I don't know if I can make it, if I make enough money to make it and this and that. And I said, Al, there's nothing you can't do. Goodness sakes, you are so gifted, you're so talented, look what you've done around here. You'll stay so busy, you won't keep up with the work that'll come your way. Why, he had a heart, he is a giver, he loved the Lord. And, well, you know, the rest is history, right? how his small jobs turned into some pretty big jobs. Faith gives optimism. Faith gives understanding. Through faith we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. The lost world can't figure that out. They're spending billions of dollars, and all they have to do is read the book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And faith believes that and says, that's Elohim God. He is personal. He is real. And I'm telling you, He created us in His image and gives value to life. We understand. We understand the issues. We understand the problems, the difficulties, as we look at them from God's point of view, which is a biblical point of view. Faith is willing to make the sacrifice in verse 4. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And I know we think that means he offered a blood sacrifice, and he did. And uh, God honored that sacrifice, didn't honor Cain's sacrifice. But I believe it's a greater sacrifice than that. Abel gave his life. Abel died because of his sacrifice. He was willing to die for what he believed. And he died. Cain killed him. The world and the lost world always hates really true blue Believers who loved Jesus and lived for Him. He killed Him. I I like what Oswald Chambers says. As we heard my brother Mark speaking over here in the Sunday school today, the only right you have is the right to give up the right to yourself. To give up the right to yourself. He offered the sacrifice. And if this church is going to make it in the future... This church is going to impact and do what God wants it to do. There's going to have to be people like in those early years that made the sacrifice. And I remember Bob and Eric and Ron. we get ready to start a Christian school. And Bob and I, and you talk about prayer, Dr. Henry. Brother Bob and I met every morning at 5 o'clock in Winchester Park. And I know some people were suspicious of us. But we met, and we prayed, and we prayed every, every day of the week because he was over at Daniel Morgan. So we'd meet there because he was a coach at Daniel Morgan. And we prayed, and we prayed, and prayed, and prayed about starting this school every morning. And God just uh, began to lay on our heart, yes, and we began to put it together. But it was God, and we, we, we didn't do strategy stuff, I'm telling you. Now, I'm not against all the strategy things and all these plans and stuff like that. But we didn't even think about that kind of stuff. We, we just said, God, we're going to pray, and you lead us, and we'll follow what you tell us to do. And I remember Bob and Ron and Eric, all three of them, quit their jobs, spent the whole summer preparing the building, not even knowing we'd have any students that fall. By faith, they paid a tremendous sacrifice, and those staff members, <laughs> Mark was saying, and others of us that uh, didn't get... Very big salaries. And somehow or another, God was going to take care of us. And they paid the sac- the people of this church that gave and sacrificed like Mr. Gold and so many others. They paid the price. And I'm telling you, I'm afraid today we've kind of lost that. We've become weak Christians because we are not willing by faith to believe that eternal things mean more than temporal things. And we got to wake up. It's being taken away from us real quickly. Faith pleases God, and I don't have to talk about this too much, but Enoch walked with God and wasn't because God took him, because he had the testimony, please God. You want to be a person that pleases God? You've got to walk by faith, not by sight. And believe God every day, his promises. Faith saves souls. Enoch built an ark and by which he saved his household. When a church is walking in faith, like we were in those early days, and I'm telling you, and today I hope we still are, and we walk by faith, guess what happens? People see it. They see God. People are hungry and hurting and broken. And let me just say this word. I know it's dark outside. I know it's bad. I I told the church I'm interim pastor of down in Burgall, North Carolina, I said, you know, I said, I want you to know, I am not worried about the future of America. Not one second am I worried. Am I concerned? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But I'm not worried. And what I'm excited about, the darker it gets outside, and the more sin and Things take over, and God gets pushed out of public life, gets pushed out of media, just as you see it happening, the lies and the lies that people believe. You see that the darkness comes. Guess what? People get broken. People get broken. Our culture's broken. Our country's broken. Our economic system is broken. Our judicial and our executive, they're broken. But people are personally broken. And when people get broken, they need help. And the Bible says, and I like this, I love this. So I tell people and pastors, hey, listen, don't get upset about it. Get excited about it. You've got more opportunities than you ever had Amen. to win people to Christ and show them the real answer is Jesus. The real answer is trusting him and living for him. Redeeming the time means buying up the opportunities because the days are evil. Why? You're going to have more opportunities. They're everywhere. Everywhere, all around you. Oh, I wish I could tell the stories. Walking through an airport and there's ladies cussing and cursing and She's so mad. She's so angry. She's so upset, man. She's telling them, people open that door on the plane. I'm getting on that plane, blankety-blank. What are you doing? Blankety-blank, blank, blank, blank. blank. Blankety-blank, blank, blank. blank. And she is so angry. Vice president of a software company and I stand there at Chicago O'Hare Airport, and I was missing the same plane, but I'm on standby, so it didn't matter to me. I knew I couldn't do anything about it. And so I I go sit down because I told my sister... Who helped me get on these flights? I said, uh, I'm gonna watch her at this next place because she has to go get a new ticket. And I, I'm gonna just—I'm getting entertained, so I have nothing to do. <laughs> and uh, and when she came around the corner, she saw me still sitting there, and she said, well, "What are you, you going to do?" They gave me a hotel and gave me this. I said, "I'll be sleeping the night in the airport here." And she said, "Oh," she said, "What do you do?" And I didn't want to tell her. I was a "Preacher." <laughs> She had cussed so bad and, I mean, just filthy. I mean, it was, she was really letting people have it. And, and I said, I work with Global Partners in Peace and Development. <laughs> That's my son's organization that I helped start. I helped start the Blue Ridge Autism Center there, and I work with Keith Farmer with Straight Street that you've been so gracious to visit with. And uh, we, uh, uh, so I told her some of those things, and she said, oh, Okay. But then that night I wrote her an email because she gave me her card. She was a software person, and I gave her a card, and, and she said, hey, let's meet for breakfast in the morning before the flight, and we'll ride down to Roanoke together. And I got on the plane with her, and this is a lady that as I began to talk to her and told her Keith in the sexual uh, rescue center that we put together, he has really, put together and we have worked with him on, that we have and what we're doing there, she looked at me and said, I haven't told too many people this. She said, but when I was a teenager, I was kidnapped. I was put into that that trade. And she said, "I'm." she's in her 50s now. She said, I'm still dealing with it. Guess what? Over the next few months, this lady's life has been totally transformed because of the grace of God. And I'm telling you, there are people everywhere like that. Faith, Save souls. Faith prompts obedience. Abraham obeyed God. Matter of fact, faith is the expression. uh, Obedience is the expression of your genuine faith. You can't can't say you have faith and not obey. Impossible. And so he obeyed God. And then faith lives on promises. Verse 9, Abraham lived in the land of promise. I'm telling you, faith is so awesome to exercise and live by. But where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where does faith come from? Well, Hebrews 12 immediately tells you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And everything else, I'm telling you, how's that song go, will become dim and fade away. Well, this church, this church has such an awesome history. I wrote, down, I wrote down some names that some of you might not remember, but this church influenced them. Greg Miller, he was one of the first kids who went to Liberty from this church. Served over here across Lenny Fantastock. This church, been a missionary, serving the Lord, pastor up in Canada. Doug White, pastoring. Mark Grooms got called to preach and ordained here at this church. Donna McCarter Larson, some of you might remember her. Working as a teenager, Sunday school teacher. She's been a pastor's wife, and so went to liberty, become his pastor's wife. Bob Quinn and Eric Farrell and Ron Combs all called the ministry here at this church and how God has used them in such awesome, awesome ways over the years. Ronnie Riggins. <laughs> Cut his teeth on ministry at this church. And this church sponsored him to go to Pennsylvania to start New Life Church. And who knows how many people have been saved through that ministry in Pennsylvania. Because this church helped send him up there and supported him in his early days as he went up there. Denny Sigloff, Mr. Buckgold, took the burning hell film by his house. He got saved and Barbara got saved. And he... Went to Liberty University. Had a little baby die the first uh, months he was there. But then he started a church, and he's, he's pastoring now. Kathy and Gary's pastor up in, where's that at, Berkeley? Yeah, Berkeley Springs. Berkeley Springs. And, uh, and still pastoring today, and his precious wife just died of COVID, many of you know, just uh, about a year ago now. Uh, Tim and Susan, uh, Rick Flowers. Rick Flyers got saved sitting in a pew right, right down here. It's a long story, but uh, I'm telling you, what a story. And what God has done through Rick Flyers over the years as a pastor and ministering and reaching people and sending out missionaries. Tim and Susan Vermos, they lived across the street from us. Tim and, Tim and uh, Carol did. And Carol, her name is Vermos Banjani now. Sir, went to the, the stories beyond imagination, and, and uh, you guys have been influenced through them and been a part of this church and other ministries. Sue and, uh, and uh, Rick, Rick Ru- Router, Ru- Router, Ru- Router, Router. <laughs> My dear friends, I can't pronounce their names. Okay. George Reed got called to ministry and ordained in this church. And has been pastoring in this area for a long time. Danny Clegg. Danny Clegg took a group of this church people right here, and I went with him to Front Royal, and we found a church, some property, and planted a church in Front Royal, Front Royal Baptist Temple. And he's been there all these years. I think he called, I talked to him the other day, I think he's getting ready to read. John Stone Street grew up in this church, went to Christian school here, called the ministry here. And today, he's the president of the Colson Center, the Christian Worldview, and does breakpoint every day and is a tremendous speaker for everywhere for the name of Christ. Right here at this church, he grew up in this church. John Gaguzian. John Gaguzian grew up in this church. And today he's a pastor, but he's at Liberty University as a uh, vice president working with Christian service and other areas of the ministry at Liberty University. John Grooms, my son, highly influenced here and today runs Global Partners in Peace and Development that's touching people all over the world, sending thousands of dollars to Ukraine right now, doing relief work, but taking in the gospel in uh, uh, countries like Jordan. Nathan Groom's also my son here at this church grew up here influenced here called the ministry later in another ministry but this church laid the groundwork for his heart for God today he's a chaplain in the navy and he just was promoted to lieutenant he's selection lieutenant commander and he's come up with a program called Warrior Toughness with some others and being called up to the Pentagon to give briefings to high officials there as they put this through all the military. But he's been a part of that. But this is the church where he had his foundation. I think of Andy Combs. This is the church where he got saved. And we ordained him into the ministry and being a part of his life right here. And Bob and I and Eric and others. And, of course, Ann Nagy came through this church, the church in Yellow Springs because of this church, the church in Fort Valley that some of you don't even maybe know about, but we went up because some people got saved up in that area. We went up and did Revivals Meet, and a church was planted up in Fort Valley because of this church, C.E. Mays. Let me just finish with this story. C.E. Mays. How many you know C.E. Mays? Oh, oh, goodness sakes. Well, God bless you all. It was, you love this. It snowed three feet. Churches closed down, but Dr. Falwell taught us we never, ever close the church down on Sundays. So we got a tractor somehow or another and made a path up here, three foot snow. CE lived in Linden, Virginia, running a flea market business. Somehow or another, God was working on his heart, and that this Sunday, he decided to go to church and couldn't find any open churches, and he came here. There was only a handful of people. There's less than 20 people here that Sunday, but when I gave the invitation, CE raised his hand and said, I want to talk to the pastor. We went back to the office afterwards. He said, I got saved at Thomas Road under Oliver B. Green when he was a kid. He said, but I've Get involved in gambling, get, living for the devil all these years, and I just, I got to get right with God. So right there in the office to this, this church in this place, because it was open, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, back in the sense of saying, I'll live for God. Guess what? Mark and I had the opportunity to ordain him into the ministry, and he planted a church in his own business outside Lynchburg, Virginia. He's serving the Lord, but it all started right here at this church. listen. This church has such an illustrious history and heritage of what God has done. And let me tell you why it happened. Faith, prayer, and the Word of God. That's it. And I pray that God will just keep it in your hearts to keep doing that for the glory of God. And uh, good things could be ahead of us. Amen? Well, God bless you. Thank you for letting us be a part of this. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you. We know whatever the devil means for evil. Joseph had faith. And his brothers threw him in a, in a pit. Thought they'd kill him. He ends up being lied about and gets in prison. But he has faith. And he'd later tell his brothers, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. And Lord, I don't, as we look back and reflect... We see good, we see bad, we see evil. But God, you have a way of taking all that when we do what my brother Mark said this morning in Sunday school, and you can make good come out of it. And we can believe the best days are ahead by faith. And so, Lord, whatever you want to do and and have in store for Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church in the days and years ahead, I just pray you'd pour out that wind of your Holy Spirit Because he comes in answer to prayer. He comes in answer to the seeking of God with all of our hearts. You said you'll never turn aside from those who seek you diligently. And so, Lord, we ask blessings and grace on the new pastor and upon the ministry of this church and all that you want to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen.
1: Amen. Does it feel like you've been in church for two hours? Hey, listen, another hour and a half, we'll be done. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. We are closed down and everything, but um, uh, what I would just share with you is, um, number one, it's been a privilege to work together with the people of Shenandoah Valley for the last four and a half years everything. Um, When I came here, I got a call, Um, just lost your Pastor? And everything got a call. So would you be willing to fill the pulpit for a week uh, for one Sunday? I said, well, sure you know, I'll be willing to do that I just stepped down from a full-time pastorate in West Virginia and was seeking, um, you know, some opportunities of interim pastor um, um, Pulpit supplies such as like that. So I came in February of 2018 thinking I'm gonna fill the pulpit for one Sunday Four and a half years later you know, still here and everything, but working together with the people and everything I, bring, I believe had brought the church to the place to where uh, they could seek a permanent pastor, one that would take them from this point on forward and uh, continue moving the ministry of this church that God has so richly blessed over the years, if you've heard and all, into however long before the Lord takes us home all like that, but it has indeed been a privilege, and I'm looking forward to getting back with my family down in North Carolina and um, continuing to serve the Lord down in that way. Um, but at this time, I'd like to have uh, Pastor Greg Voorhees to come, if you would, Greg. And Sue, I want you to come and sit on the front row here. And everything we're not we're not going to ask you to sing or dance this morning, and all. But um, I want you to come. And um, a couple weeks ago, the church voted call pastor Greg as their pastor and all to um, continue and um, I believe God's going to use him to do a great work and all here and everything continue follow him but um, basically what I wanted to do Greg is just very quickly a verse for you and the good people here Paul's writing in one Corinthians chapter 15 he says this therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of your preferences and your opinions. For My people know what I'm doing. You know, that's not what the Word of God says, is it? Amen. It says, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is not a work of preference. This is not a work of opinion. This is not a work of man's strength. This is God's deal, folks. And the Bible tells us that we are to be of one mind when it comes to doing the work of the Lord. We have a commission that was very plainly given to us to go as we're going into the world and proclaim the gospel, baptize, and disciple those who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only reason we're here. We're not here for you. We're not here for me. We're not here for any other reason. We're here for the Word of God. And to share the gospel with others. And I want you to remember that as a church. I want you to remember that, Greg. And as you continue, which by the way, all you Liberty people, him too. Okay? Liberty guys. So you guys are in good shape. You're in good company there. But with that, what I want to do right now is I want to present to you the pastor's office coffee mug. (laughs) This was given to me when I came. And so I now give it to you (laughs) along, sir, with the keys of the church. (laughs) There you go. And these keys are guaranteed to fit absolutely no door in this building. Those are yours. (laughs) But what I want to do right now, Greg, you can have a seat for just a moment. I'm going to move this aside. What I'd like to do right now is, number one, remind myself and remind you that if you've enjoyed the Millers this morning and their music ministry and everything, we have a couple boxes out in the hallway and everything, and we're going to receive a love offering for them. And everything so i hope that you will give give generously to the mission if you're writing a check and all please uh, um, uh fill it out to shenandoah valley baptist church and all that way we'll take care of all the footwork on there and make sure that they get paid sometime next year but um Um, we'll we'll get that to them and also give generously if you've enjoyed their ministry i know i have and just uh, their heart and how they sing visitors do not forget if you filled out a visitor's card and all we have a young lady at the back that will exchange that for a gift and we can just say thank you thank you for being here members former members thank you and, all, oh, you've made this a special day in the life of this church and everything, and just looking forward to more going on like that. But I'm going to step up here, and I'm going to ask the former pastors and all, if they would come, uh, come up here, if you would. I'm going to ask the Farrell family to come representing Pastor Eric and also the former pastors, if you'll please make your way up here. Let's move down to the left, guys, okay? You always got to give pastors instruction. You know, they know how to preach, but they don't know nothing else. Move down to the left, gang. There you go, all the way down there. Yeah, keep moving down. Yeah, just right out the door that says exit. No, I want you to stay right here. And then, Greg, once want you and your wife come right up here. Okay. As a new pastor of the church. And what we're gonna do, and everything when we dismiss in prayer, we're gonna ask you to come up, shake hands with them, let them know how much you appreciate them, how much you're praying for them, okay, as we go through this. Now, also, I gotta give instruction. Come around this way, because if y'all come from here and you come from here, it's gonna be a train wreck right here in the middle, okay? So work your way around and all take the time. We want to let you know we have a reception plan back in the gym and all just some finger foods and such, but tables to sit out and rejoice. We're not in any hurry out there and everything but we do have to be out of here in about the next hour or so as another church is actually coming in to have service here and we're grateful that we can do that okay so i'm going to ask you all i think i've got everything i know i missed something and everything if i have i apologize for that but we're so grateful for you making this a very special day and again shenandoah valley thank you for the time i've been able to spend with you it's been great i've really enjoyed myself and I look forward to hearing some wonderful, wonderful things and all of the Lord after that. Let's go ahead and stand, if you would, please. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, again, we thank you. It's been a wonderful trip down memory lane, and just to see how many, the, the, the blessings over these last 50 years, and Lord, not just the blessing of the fact that the, 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 this building sits on this hill but all those who have been called and gone out and continue the work of the gospel. And, Lord, I thank you for those rewards in heaven that will be given to those faithful men who sacrificed, who gave of themselves, Lord, who uh, uh, unequivocally stood upon the word of God because that is the message that heals the heart of man. And, Lord, I'm grateful for these men up here today, their faithfulness, Lord, and continuing to serve and also for Pastor Greg. And Lord, we're asking your blessings and your guidance and direction upon his ministry here that together this church will be of one mind to move forward for the cause of Christ and of Christ alone. Lord, bless the food and the fellowship that we'll have afterward. We thank you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. You are dismissed.